Hi, good morning. Episode 692 of the Nick Light Daily Podcast is about to come your way with all the Cheltenham news and the news ahead of this weekend and a big Saturday as well. It's Imperial Cup Day sponsored by Betfair and listeners to this podcast have been granted exclusive access to half price tickets to the grandstand at Sandown, one of my favourite racecourses just down the road. £10 tickets to Imperial Cup Day. We've got 500 to give away and you can book four at a time if you go to thejockeyclub.co.uk forward slash Sandown forward slash events they are going quite fast nl10 is the promo code you need to use at the checkout nl10 and you can get to the grandstand for a tenner this saturday at sandown park you're listening to nick luck daily this edition is brought to you by fitzdares by the racehorse owners association and by the breeders cup Good morning, welcome to the show. Tuesday, March the 7th, I've gone from the 90 degrees of South Florida back to about the 9 degrees, if I'm lucky, of TW11. It's a grim forecast this week and next as we approach the most important four days in the sport of jump racing anywhere in the world. Cheltenham Festival begins a week today and plenty of news coming your way through the next half an hour or so. We'll be taking a complete spin through all the runners in the Ritchie ownership with their racing manager, Joe Chambers. And there are some interesting little nuggets in there. We welcome back Royal guy to the gold cup looks as though gaelic warriors ballymore bound and plenty more besides and hear what joe has to say about the jumping of allegory de Vassi. with Sandown this weekend as you know the imperial cup go for a tenner with uh, the nl10 promo code uh, paul far he bidding to emulate brother peter who took the race last year paul has got a, a very interesting run of man at work we'll be speaking to him a little bit later in the program we'll also be discussing french trainer david cotin's one year ban a pretty uh, big ban for a very prominent french trainer for medication offences and uh, the latest from the irish horse racing regulatory board but first of all clearly we're keeping a close eye on horses and humans that might be participating next week in their well-being charles burns has warned punters that blazing Carl's preparation has been far from smooth and it's going to be uh, pretty dicey whether the horse gets to the stairs hurdle or not. We've been uh, hearing over the last week Jack Kennedy won't make the festival, Davy Russell will make the festival. What about Mark Walsh? Very high profile rider, champion hurdle winning rider of course. He's got a, an amazing book lined up next week given how acquisitive his main supporting owner JP McManus has been in the lead up to the festival. But will he be fit after a horrible fall a few weeks ago? I put in a call to his agent Gary Cribben and this is what he said. Fingers crossed, Nick. He's back riding out and everything is going well. So I'm not tempting fate. Please, God, we'll be getting there yet. Yeah, and he doesn't need to do any more fitness tests or anything like that. He feels good in himself. Feels good, Nick, and everything is going in the right direction. Okay, and d- would he would he need to get a few rides in before Cheltenham if he was going to ride there, or could he just go straight there? Hopefully, Nick, if everything goes well, we'll be riding this weekend. All right, as I welcome in Jane Mangan to the show, that was Gary Cribben. You, you don't need to talk for long to to tell you what you need to know sometimes, Jane. And the good news, it appears to be that Mark Walsh is back in business. Yes, short and sweet and just in time. Uh, Mark Walsh will have uh, quite a 
substantial book of rides, not only in quantity, but in quality for next week. It would be great to see him in action um, this weekend in Ireland just to get his eye in and strut his stuff before he makes the trip across the water because I did read last week where he was provisionally booked to be riding Manila Indo in the Gold Cup as well for Henry de Bromhead. So it's not just the green and gold Mark has got to look forward to. And it's um it's positive, obviously, to see him back from his own health perspective, but the big week of the year and Mark Walsh has got some real quality to look forward to. Isn't he going to ride the Mullins beast in the Gold Cup? Would he not ride Capadano or am I going crackers? I just read that somewhere last week that uh, he was potentially booked for, for Manila Indo, who would probably have a better chance than Capadano if if that was the eventuality. And I don't know if um, JP McManus is, is going to free him up to take that ride. But he's also got the likes of impervious in the mayor's chase for Colin Murphy great chance Janadil in the Ryanair not without his chance um, Sarah de Burley Corbett's Cross Jimmy McManus has been on a bit of a spending spree recently Filey Bay um, there's a number of uh, handicap favourites they're so Scottish in the plate there's any number of horses in the green and gold to look forward to Mark Walsh will want to get back for Cheltenham now you read that little list out shall we have a cup of tea on Capadano versus Manila Rindo if they both run by the time we get to next Friday we'll be having more than tea um, is this the effect that doing commercials with Barry from EastEnders has on you it's funny I get more questions about Barry from EastEnders than I do about Colomini or Peter Crouch um, but obviously I understand that EastEnders is like Hollywood in the UK and it's obviously a big deal well, no, it's more the fact that Sean Williamson, the man who portrayed Barry in EastEnders, is a bit of a, how can I put it, cult figure, I suppose. Have You You have know you... what? You're yeah. not the first person to say that. Are you sure that's what they said? I think the word cult was used, but I, look, I... I turned up for work and um, made a, a shock face, didn't even say a line. And you know what? I'm getting more coverage for it than I ever did in my life. Fantastic. As as you've so often proven, Jane, no publicity is bad publicity. Shall we find out about Rich and Susanna Ritchie's horses at the Cheltenham Festival? Absolutely. And now, and now, before you hear from their racing manager, Joe Chambers, are there any questions you really want answered? Well, I want to know what race Gaelic Warrior is going to run in. Okay. And um, after that, I'm in your hands. All right. Well, you'll get that in a few moments' time. I began by asking Joe, um, what sort of squad they'd be fielding this time i don't think we'll get to double figures we're pretty heavy on the um, maiden hurdle novice hurdle division this year in terms of where the bulk of the string are and some of them have cut the mustard and some of them unfortunately have not all right let's talk about ones that have cut the mustard and there were one or two surprises in in here in terms of your running plans as well i guess running hard door in the arkle might be might be one that raises a few eyebrows what's the thinking behind that I think it'll be a small field. He didn't disgrace himself the last day. Um, he had good form last year in uh, in Novice Hurdles, uh, mainly upsides, flame bearer a couple of times, and second to El Fabiolo at Punchestown. In the winners of one at the back end of the season, uh, he was pretty good first time out at Fairy House, ran an absolutely nothing race at Punchestown next time out. Um, so we've put a line through that, and I guess his second race over, cha- over fences was um, on Saturday that just gone when he was second to Indiana Jones and the Flying Bolt at Nace, where he ran pretty well. And he probably needs a trip in time. But I think uh, if the arc is shaping up to just be a few runners, um, we might just let him take his chance and get some more experience into him and, and put him out and trip then at Fairy House in Punchestown. Yeah, might only be five or a half dozen at this stage. Vauban, we're all assuming he's going to run in the champion hurdle. Is he definitely going to run in the champion hurdle? 
As far as I'm aware, he is, yeah. I uh, haven't been told anything to the contrary, uh, unless you've got some breaking news for me. <laughs> Not um, at all. He, uh, it was funny just chatting to Danny at the weekend, and um, his, last few, his last few bits of work, he just seems to be coming a little bit more uh, to himself and, and showing a bit of sparkle. Um, I think it's very hard for us to make a plausible case based on what we've seen this year on the racetrack that he would overturn form with statement. I don't expect either of them to be Constitution Hill. Um, uh, but, you know, uh, we're going to let him take his chance and I suspect we'll kick on with a flat campaign with him as well. One thing about him, Nick, is he hasn't grown that much. I mean, he's, he's not even 16 hands. So it may be that longer term he's a flat horse. I don't know. I'd never second guess Willie, but... Um, he he's not he's not a bad he's not a bad individual in terms of having a bit of class and he's got he's from the family of vault guys in mass marvel so hopefully those staying flat races will also make appeal to him as well down the line gaelic warrior is a horse the handicapper has forced you to go into grade one company with uh, how worried are you about that propensity just to ease out to his right uh very worried um won't lie um and you know, it's also that the ground is going to be a worry for him as well. He hits the ground fairly hard. Um, so I, I, I know there's a, they've stopped watering at Cheltenham and there's a bit of rain forecast. Um, I think at the moment we're most likely to go Ballymore, which might give him a bit more time. But as Willie quipped to me at the weekend, he uh, he only jumps right when he's two lengths clear. So um, if, if that theory holds true, um, we, we might have half a chance. But... His ability is uh, is certainly there, and um, while he's not a speed horse, I think he's, he'll make a cracking chaser. But uh, let's see what happens. I I think it, I can't see him being Paul's first choice from from those in the yard, um, and I'd love to see him in a soft ground supreme because uh, he could just outstay them all over that trip. But at the moment, it looks like he'll line up in the Ballymore. Uh, Chapeau de Soleil, by contrast, all he wanted to do was bear out to the left when he, he ran in his, his bumper going the other way round. And he's rather the forgotten horse. If he gets into the bumper, will he run? If he gets in, he'll run, yes. All been well that he and he, and he remains sound. Um, he, he went a little bit backwards after his debut. Um, and he's got plenty of knockers, as do most of ours going to Cheltenham this year, it seems. Uh, but he does have a lot of ability. I know Patrick thinks a lot of him um, for all that I can see him riding him. But uh, Willie, is, Willie has been determined for the last six weeks or so that he will get him ready for Cheltenham. And I guess whether he gets in or not is kind of in Willie's hands, given the volume of entries that he has in the race. But it's a big week for the likes of him this week uh, in terms of their last couple of bits of work as to whether they're up to it or not. And uh, touch wood, uh, if he comes through those tests, we'll put him on the boat and... Hope that come on Monday morning um, we we get through the ballot and we're able to uh, we're able to take our take our place on Wednesday afternoon. Now, it would be some irony if Shaq and Poursois finally delivered a performance in 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 Britain uh, when everybody had forgotten about him. Who is he nowadays? I've absolutely no idea. Um, I was fairly um, very disappointed. I think in in how he didn't finish his race at Thurles the last day. Um, I'll, you know, uh, I I just wonder if the if the fight has gone out of him a little bit. But by all accounts, uh, again chatting to Danny who rode him on Saturday, he um, he showed a fair bit of spark. Maybe the drier ground, uh, the drier gallop that they're having over the last uh, couple of weeks has um, rejuvenated him a little bit. I can't see it myself, but uh, the team in Close Sutton are, are are adamant that he'll line up in the Ryanair and. 
let's see what happens. I'd like to see Shishkin do it again before I believe that he's fully back. But if he is, I think um, I, I think it's his race to lose. But there's plenty of prize money in behind for us all to try and have a go at. Is your confidence behind Lossiemouth uh, higher for the Triumph Hurdle going into it this year than it was behind Vauban for the same race last year? Uh, I wouldn't say it's higher, but I wouldn't say it's much less. I mean, do you do you look at the Leopardstown race the same way that everybody else does? That she was a she was an unlucky loser and so forth. I think on the day she was probably unlucky, um, but I also don't think Gala Marceau has had enough credit um, thrown her way either because she wasn't stopping at the line either, uh, and she was fully entitled to come on for her first run uh, outside of France uh, over Christmas, which she which she did. Um, I do think that. I'd like to think that we are potentially a classier horse. That may not be the type of horse that wins a triumph, but um, you know, we're, I know there's been plenty of momentum behind Blood Destiny over the last uh, over the last uh, week or so on the preview circuit in Ireland. Um, but he's got to give both Gala Marceau and Lossie seven pounds, and I also think that both Gala Marceau and Lossie would have won at Fairy House in the same way that Blood Destiny did. So. Um, uh, I, I'm not saying I'm more confident uh, uh, about her than we were with Volban, who we were fairly bullish on, but um, we're not massively away from the mark either. It won't be the same without Sharjah in the champion hurdle. Um, where is he to finish second? No, he's in the county. Uh, very possible. He got dropped £3 for his run in the Red Mills on very bad ground, which wouldn't have been to his liking, and he came there to win his race between the last two, but his wheels were just spinning. Uh, the English handicapper has reciprocated that £3 drop. Um, Willie's got a decent record with higher rated horses in the county hurdle over the last few years between Arctic Fire, Wicklow Brave running well, uh, even Petit Mouchoir, when I think it was with Henry, it might have been with Gordon, I can't remember, um, ran very well in the COVID year. Uh, and, and this year, with the four runs um, being the minimum requirement, there's not as many novices coming through, so it's a bit more like a handicap. And uh, I can see a big field suiting him. He won a Galway hurdle off top weight. Uh, our, our, our time with Venetia has taught us that top weight in UK handicaps isn't necessarily a bad thing. And while no decision has definitely been made that he won't run the champion hurdle, um, the county hurdle is winking at us quite a bit at the moment. So your time with Venetia leads us neatly on to Royal Pagai in the Gold Cup. And if there is some rain, might he finally put his best foot forward around Cheltenham again? We haven't heard sight or sound of him, or we haven't seen sight or heard sound of him since the since the King George, after which he picked up an injury. Heavy alliteration there, Nicholas, well done. Um, he got a little nick after uh, Kempton. Um, that meant we couldn't go to the Peter Marsh, which didn't happen anyway. Uh, he probably hasn't had his ground between Kempton and, and now anyway, but uh, he's in good form. Um, he's doing an awful lot of... Uh, he's getting plenty thrown at him, let's put it that way. Uh, but he's a big, strong animal. He's well able to take it. I think we need a heavier, a heavier adjective than some rain um, in order for him to be competitive at the top level. But uh, hopefully, you know, he will... If we get a bit of rain, he'll be competitive. We all got a little bit jiggy coming down the hill last year and then Aplutar got turbo-boosted uh, jumping the last. But um, I... I'd like to think that he'll run his race and at least we can kind of get his season going, whether he then takes his place in the English or Irish Nationals thereafter. But we'll try and get the Gold Cup out of the way first and hopefully he'll run respectably. And uh, if we get any rain in the meantime, who knows what might happen. And we've talked about going left, going right, Allegory Devassi. Can she stay straight enough to beat Impervious in the Mayor's Chase? Yeah, I'd be a lot more worried about Gaelic Warriors' wayward tendencies than I would be hers. I think she'll be absolutely fine.
Um, she didn't show any of it at Limerick. I think she was just very, very fresh at Thurless. And it was also Paul's first time riding her, and he was on a fairly loose ring going down to the first. And she was kind of set alight after that. Uh, I think she's a, a mare with a huge amount of natural ability. Uh, she's probably got a, a, in fact, not probably, she had, does have a fair opponent in Impervious and Jeremy's Flame for that matter. But uh, I, I think she'll take an awful lot of beating. I think she's got a, a bundle of class and. Uh, I don't see uh, the waywardness of Thurless uh, being something that she'll carry into Cheltenham. Uh, I could be absolutely wrong, but I'd be fair, I'd be a lot more bullish about her being straighter than I would be Gaelic Warrior. Uh, is she the one you think's got the likeliest chance of winning? Um, I think less can go wrong for Lossie Mouth, particularly as we're not declaring a hundred to one shot to get in her way either this time. Um, <laughs> but but. But she's only got two miles and I think seven hurdles to jump in the new course. I might be wrong. And she gets seven pounds from the boys. Allegory's got two and a half miles um, and uh, is against her own sex and probably something like 14 fences to jump. So depending on how one weighs probability up, you'd probably say lossy mouth. But um, I think both of them have very, very strong chances. Uh, but it could be a long wait until Friday afternoon for Rich and Susanna is my fear. All right. But of the others that we've mentioned, you've been very realistic. In your in your sort of gut, which one do you think might step forward and surprise a few people? I think Gaelic Warrior could prove a lot of people wrong. I think he's got a huge amount of ability. Um, and I know if... Uh, if we didn't have a mark coming from France, he would never have been asked to run a third time and then line up in the Fred Winter off the back of that last year. Um, but I think there's... Um, I, I'm detecting an air of confidence that he, he will run a very big race, uh, in, in the, probably in the Ballymore, unless the heavens open and he would, might line up in a two-miler. I think he could surprise most, but uh Lossie Mouth is becoming a very attractive if you told me Lossie Mouth would be this price after Leopardstown um, you probably wouldn't have believed me so she's probably becoming a more appealing bet and more to the point after all of that Joe where the hell is Monkfish I mean I, I wanted a whole Monkfish series in the lead up to Cheltenham and we were cruelly denied he is so far so good as with your board of hearing but he continues to make progress and um I suspect there's a fair chance that Willie, if he wants to, will be able to give him a run before Punchestown. Oh, where? where? Fairy House or somewhere? Or? It could be, but it may be a conditions hurdle or a conditions chase, something like that, uh, if he wants to before Punchestown and should he continue to please him. But um, as, as Rich said publicly, probably last month, uh, we have a rule that we don't speak about him too often, but there is no bad news to report. All right, that was Joe Chambers. We rattled through him, um, but the key points are that the Arkle could be a very small field and they've spotted it could only be four or five, so they'll go around for some prize money with Hard Door. Um, that Gaelic Warrior is likeliest to go for the Ballymore unless it gets really soft, in which case the Supreme comes into it. Um, that he's not expecting a whole lot from Chacan Poursois, particularly. Um, but he, he is expecting a lot from Lossy Mouth. He's not worried about Allegory de Vassi jumping to the right and for the reasons he just explained. Feels that Sharjah could run on, well under a big weight in the county hurdle and Royal Pagai, a horse who has not had a column inch written about him in the last few weeks. Well, could it just be that you know when nobody's bothered Venetia Williams, she pops up with a horse who'll run well again in a gold cup. So there you go, Jane. Pick the bones out of that little lot. It's it's quite a lot, isn't it? It's a little bit envious. Um, let's start with Allegory Devassi. The horse is probably the least exposed of all of their runners. She is a potential superstar, and I'm not surprised that they're not concerned about her jumping. I think when she takes a lead, 
um, that she'll be fine. I think Thurlis just was a victim of circumstance. I think she could be a star. Uh, Lossie Mouth in the Triumph. Well, she's she's not done anything wrong. Like what happened at the Dublin Racing Festival wasn't her fault. I think she's a major chance, but I think the the dangers lie within with uh, Blood Destiny in that one. And I'm happy with what he says about Gaelic Warrior. I think Ballymore is the right race. I think from a time form perspective, he's the highest rated novice hurdler in Britain or Ireland so far this season. Will he be that after next week? Um, d- just talk to me about Gaelic Warrior. I was worried about him jumping uh, right, and so was Joe. And then Willie Mullins quipped, well, he only jumps right when he's two lengths clear or whatever. I mean, I mean, I, 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 it's a, an amusing comment, but it, it is it is going to impinge a little bit on him, even though he's very talented. He is, but he's not a simple ride. He was very keen in the Boodles last year, and from what I can remember, he was leaning a little bit right before he got upsides uh, Brazil, and he never really quite got past. So just because he, we hadn't seen him prior to the Boodles, he had this kind of a reputation, but we were going completely on faith uh, of the Mullins machine. He did back up. The, the hype um, but ultimately because he got beaten he, he remained a novice for this year he was untested at Clamel he won by a ridiculous margin of 86 lengths at Tremor and he won off what 143 at Leopardstown for me we're forgetting the fact that Mullins could have kept this guy for uh, one of the handicaps we all know we all knew he was well handicapped when he got an original mark of 134 but they ran him twice subsequently. He's now in the 150s and they're going for a grade one. If they had any doubts about his ability, they would have kept him in the handicap. They did that with Stateman last year. Instead, here we are in a Ballymore after winning two. Like, one was a very lucrative race at the Dublin mm, Racing Festival. Yeah. But, you know, they could have taken an easy option and they didn't. Of course, we got the small matter of the Betfair Imperial Cup before the Cheltenham Festival. Jane, did you know you can go for a tenner to sand down on... On Saturday, if you if you enter the promo code NL10, as instructed uh, to my pinned tweet uh, to jockeyclub.co.uk/events, I do listen to this podcast even ah, when I'm not on it. So, you, um, so I did know that. that. Yeah, you'd spotted that. Well, it could well be that there's another Irish winner of this race after last year. Last year it was surprise package. He wasn't really a surprise package. Trained by Peter Fahey. Now it is uh, from Peter to Paul. I will I will resist the temptation. I'll resist the temptation. Uh, it's from Peter to Paul Fahey, his brother, uh, who has a, a very interesting runner potentially at the weekend, whose name is Man O'Work, who took a pretty crunching fall at, at Leopardstown last time, but has been quietly progressive prior to that. I put in a call to Paul Fahey in County Kildare and asked him um, whether he was fully recovered from his exertions at the Dublin Racing Festival. Yeah, he's perfect. He took a nasty fall. So we gave him plenty of school and brought him to the corner there and schooled over the white hurdles and he seems to enjoy it. So he seems to be over his problem, but I suppose you don't know what run them, but he seems to be over his problem, over the fright he got. Now, this is quite interesting, this, because obviously we, we heard, I think it was first Willie Mullins who raised the whole white boards thing with an Egerman after the, the Clarence house. Is it now pretty commonplace that anyone who's having a runner here is schooling over these these white hurdles, white white hurdles and fences? Yeah, definitely. And, and are you finding it is making a difference? Do they actually have a good look at them? They do have a very good look at them because actually he schooled last week and he schooled with a young horse and the young horse and went and jumped it perfectly and he took a look and we reckon it's because the young horse doesn't know enough about racing to know the difference in the hurdles where he did know there was something different that he hadn't ran over before. That That's quite interesting. And are they are they a little bit more careful? Do they just kind of back off him a bit or what? how do they jump him? 
just backing off them a bit for the first till they got their confidence they jumped up a couple of times then it was back to normal okay so was, so just giving him a look at them did actually help That's him. It. oh definitely tell me a little bit about this horse he's by the derby winner workforce he's done quite well with his, his few jumpers so far and he's he's just quietly quietly improving away how good do you think he is we're going to find out but we had a good we reckon we have a good handicap mark here in Ireland so that's why we stuck to the handicaps at the big handicaps and see he ran went to Listowel after Punchestown and he ran a very good race first time back up and he finished second to a horse that got away got an easy lead up front he went then to we had a run in the flat just to because it was a long stretch between the good handicaps and then he went on to Fairy House the rains came on the morning of the race and the, and the, and the the ground turned up definitely not to his liking. It was mucky and sloppy and, and covered in mud and he finished fourth, but ran a very respectable race. Then we said, we just go to, Le- to Leopardstown and he went and sure he just at the third there, second or third hurdle, he just felt it got it all wrong and took a fall. So we said we'd leave him and just run him in some of the big handicap again and see where we go. Until he, until he gets a proper run in a big handicap on ground that he likes, then then we can change from that. But his homework can be quite good. His races is quite good. His form of his races worked out quite well. So we didn't want to go and win a, a lesser handicap and end up getting a 10 or 12 pound handicap rising the weight. So we're just trying to mind his handicap, run him in a big one, and then we make decisions after that. Uh, I, I, this might be a stupid question, but if he goes and runs really well on Saturday, do you just roll around again and, and then try and run him at, at Cheltenham? Do you try and run him in the county hurdle after that, if you can get in? We, well... We just tell you the truth. We take a look at how the horse is after the race. It's, it was put there as an option in case things worked out or didn't work out. But we just put him in an entry as an option. We just take things after the race and see where we will go after that. We we haven't ruled anything in or out. All right, that was Paul Farhi. Best of luck to him with Manor Work and the Imperial Cup uh, on Saturday. Sana, you can go for a tenner, by the way, to the Imperial Cup, Jane. I'm, I'll be there. I'll be there. Are you actually coming to Santa on Saturday? I'm not because uh, I'll probably be trying to fit everything into my bag so that Ryanair don't um, don't uh, find me for having too much luggage going across the water. Oh come on! Surely you know you would you of all people as a as a key Irish horse racing celebrity, global horse racing celebrity, would be able to get some some baggage in the hold from Michael O'Leary. You know what? I think it would be a particular it would be particular amusement for him to. To find one of us. To find one of us. Anything but for publicity, we know. All right. Um, let's talk about what's happening in Ireland. And you, you might have heard Lydia and I talking on, on Friday about the Irish Horse Racing Regulatory Board's uh, annual statement. And we, we were saying how how it, it it was 2023 and the 2021 report had only just been published. I, I need to just offer a little bit in the way of in the way of explanation for that, because I've been in chatting to the IHRB since then, and they, they want to stress that the IHRB financial statements are provided to the controller and auditor for audit within three months of the end of the financial year to which they relate as required by law. Immediately after the C&AG's audit was complete, a copy of the annual report, including the financial statements and the controller and auditor general's report on the accounts were presented to the Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine for review, following which the minister laid them before the houses of the Oireachtas. This occurred on Thursday morning, 2nd of March, 2023, and the annual report was issued by the IHRB on the same date. We are not permitted to release the annual report until this statutory process has concluded. The 2022 accounts of financial statements for the IHRB 
will be provided to the CNAG before the end of March for audit and the 2022 annual report will be published when the statutory audit and review process has concluded. So I think what they're trying to say and what I'm trying to make clear, Jane, is the delay is really in the hands of various government departments rather than in their hands. So um, point, point taken. Well done for not stumbling once as you reamed through that while I yawned four times. Okay. That's a, that is not fair. That's that's very unfair because it's No, look, you're doing your due to, you you're doing what you have to do there. There's a lot of red tape. We get it. When you're subsidized by the government, you have to jump through a few hoops. And that is probably now why the Public Accounts Committee are back on our case. Yeah, the Public Accounts Committee are now examining this big payoff to Dennis Egan that Lydia and I spoke about on Friday. And the actually explained that. They explained it very thoroughly that under his rules, he was entitled to a certain amount, the rules that he'd laid down because of early redundancy. And then he ended up with a package that was a 58% more than that. But the IHRB explained that the that the ex-gratia part of that payment was made up um, from the, the, the Turf Club and the Irish National Hunt Committee. So it wasn't actually coming out of public funds. But the Public Accounts Committee, nonetheless, are looking into that. In a separate story in the Irish Independent, Jane, um, Maeve Sheehan has noted that trainers and agents on trips to buy Irish horses have recouped €414,000 in travel costs. And they point out that the Irish thoroughbred industry has paid this out through ITM, a subsidiary of the taxpayer-funded Horse Racing Ireland, ITM being Irish thoroughbred marketing. Now, you and I will sit here and think, well, what's wrong with that? You know, you could easily make a case that money going back to to the exchequer in Ireland way exceeds that amount of money yeah this is this is taxpayers money judiciously spent because of of what the, the the country is going to get back from from foreign investment in 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 Irish bloodstock in one of its its most significant industries but does this not show that if you are if you are running your sport with such heavy government assistance then in the world in which we live now you are going to be open to an unbelievable level of of scrutiny of course and that's not a surprise and Maeve has got a very catchy headline here trainers and agents on trips to buy Irish horses recoup 414,000 euro in travel costs it sounds exorbitant but when you actually read down through it it's 402,000 euro towards travel costs of 894 trainers so we know from an investment perspective, that's probably money well spent because they're coming here to buy our stock, which will obviously go to the pin hookers, to the breeders, to it. It's foreign investment into our country. Um, so ITM, that is ITM's job to attract foreign trade into our economy. And I think from a, 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 a international or even a a national perspective, when you see the spin off effect of this money would actually mm. achieve, that's that's what the headline should be but you know i can see why she's going with that and the, but there will be people for example who work for great british racing international who are trying to do something similar uh, who will be looking upon that with great envy because they'll be thinking well we've got to make the best of what we've got with a with a tiny budget trying to get people to come and buy british bloodstock and come to the sales here um look what you can do if you've actually got a uh, state subsidy but Oh, the counterpoint to that is that there'll be plenty of people who have zero interest in horse racing and breeding in Ireland thinking, hang on a minute, government money being spent on, you know, rich people's hobby. 
the headlines got kind of gravy train connotations all over it hasn't it absolutely while our hospitals burn down and our infrastructure when it comes to public transport is pretty dismal uh yeah i can see the i can see the effects that this would have but what Maeve isn't taking into account is the as I said, the spin-off effect when you have a Zhang Yusheng coming into to Goffs and, and paying eight hundred and twenty-five grand for plying, or how many falls or mares that, that somebody from Italy came in and bought and the fact that they were basically were just trying to encourage them to come here, uh, facilitate them while they are here, make it as easy as possible for them to spend their international money. We are we have a massive ex- export market. If we didn't have that here, then Everybody would suffer from breeders to stud farms and the, the spin-off effect to, to farriers and bedding and feeding and everything would be which huge. So I can see why the headline is what it is, but it's a very single-minded view and it's a view that sells papers these days. Right, Jane. David Cotin, leading French trainer, has been banned for a year um, for medication offences. What's he done? So the former three-time champion jockey turned Cheltenham Festival winning trainer has been given 12 months um, from France Gallo for being implicated in the use of the steroid dexamethasone, uh, which was administered to four horses at his yard in Chanty. But after uh, during an inspection made by the veterinary officials in December 3rd of 2022, prescriptions for dexamethasone dexamethasone injections for four horses were discovered of course dexamethasone is an, uh, relieves inflammation it's often used to to treat certain forms of arthritis uh, cotton himself admitted to a mistake in the withdrawal period of an injection given to matilda du Berlay on october 3rd 12 days before she was pulled up in Otoy. Uh, the other three horses employed in this um, investigation was duke chop para and madara none of which actually had won but uh, dexamethasone figures amongst the list of substances with a minimum of a 14-day withdrawal period before a horse can race. And for all four procedures in this case that were mentioned in the prescriptions were for injections into either joints or between vertebrae, procedures which were described by the stewards as complex and suitable for only a vet to carry out. And Nick, this is where a, a certain name called Paolo comes into the equation. Yeah, a mysterious Italian vet called Paolo. Don't have a last name for him. Um, and he was a a vet that was being used for um, apparently specific jobs at, at David Cotan's yard when it was sort of too difficult to get the the primary veterinary practice out, which sort of adds a a layer of a layer of mystique. Yeah, slightly. But in this case, there's not a mention of a test or a failed test or a positive test. Um, you have your prescriptions. The steward said it was complex, only suitable for a vet to carry out. Well, Paolo is a an Italian vet. Yeah, it, it seems a little bit it seems a little bit funny to me because they are prescribed. He okay ran them within the, the withdrawal period, but I think it's um, there's a few details missing here for me. It is Tuesday then, and it's the day we go around the bloodstock world with our friends at Weatherby's, their excellent stallion guide and their equally accomplished global stallion app. And we go not too far away today, not too far away from Cheltenham either, to near Morton in the Marsh, to Batsford Stud, uh, which is managed by Tim Vary with his parents, Alan and Anna. And Tim, I would imagine it's a, a pretty a pretty chilly morning, particularly for stud work. How are you getting on? Good morning, it was. It's a 
bit of a crispy one this morning. We had a bit of a dust in the snow last night, and uh, so it certainly made life a bit interesting today. <laughs> Midway through foaling season, how are you getting on? Uh, very good. Good, yeah, we've had a couple of foals already. Um, we had a bit of a slow start this year, um, which didn't have any early foals, which was actually quite a nice change. Um, but yeah, we're into the thick of it, and um, we've got a couple of brewing at the moment, so uh, yeah, it's all good. Just take me back to, to how you got involved with Batsford. I I gather that, that your your parents were very, very keen for you to, to go off and learn a bit about the trade from quite an early age. Yeah, well, I left... Uh, well, I was always involved with the business from um, as far back as I can remember. I think it was about 11 or 12. And, um, and then um, leaving school, I went off to Hartbury College to learn equine business management. And then from then, um, I went into racing and um, yeah, started as a pupil assistant and worked way up to head lad. And, and then in 2001, um, my parents were at Hillwood at the time and then they moved from Hillwood and decided to come up to Batsford. And that was the point that they asked if I would like to come into the business then. At the time, what did the business look like? Um, well, I mean, it was a fresh start, really, at, at Batsford. Um, um, we just had broodmares and and all of their sort of young stock progeny, and and we hadn't didn't really have any stallions then. And our first stallion didn't come until a couple of years later, and it, that was catastrophic. And it, had it been the attention to to stand stallions, or was it something that happened by accident? I don't. Not initially. Um, I think we just. The plan was to carry on as we were, and it was—I think it was more of a chance conversation with um, Robin Dickin, um, who trained Catastrophe, and um, yeah, and, and one thing led to another, and then um, we ended up standing him. Catastrophe was a very rare beast, wasn't he? Because he was one of a, a very few horses that had actually won steeplechases that was standing as a stallion. How, how was it to to stand him, to market him, to try and drum up some interest? It must have been quite challenging. Uh, yeah, because he'd. I mean, he had such a, a big following in this area, um, obviously being trained at Stratford and Avon, and um, he was almost like a little, little bit of a superstar in the area, really. And, and then he, he went to Ireland, and I think he kind of dropped off the radar here for probably about three years. And so it was it was very hard to market him again. I mean, and that's, that's always a problem with stallions. Once they go off the boil, it's, it's to regenerate that that interest in them again and and to, to build up some more progeny to get runners and to, to get more results. It, and it's a hard game. But it obviously gave you a taste for doing it. Oh, absolutely. Um, and the, you, you kind of, you, you get into that network of people, of, of stallions, and then um, more people approach with more stallions. And it just goes from there. Um, you know, we've been lucky enough to stand stallions for Shadwell. Um and Lordship Stud, and obviously Swiss Spirit we've got here now. And Swiss Spirit's another stallion who who has had some good results down the line, but probably needs his sort of reputation managed well now. Is that something that you're really applying yourselves to? Yeah, you you do with with all of them really. Um, he's he's getting some consistent winners. Um, he just needs more black type winners, and I'm sure they will come. He's got plenty of progeny there to to have a crack at it anyway. Let's talk about passing glance because he's he's been an overachiever right right from the word go, hasn't he? Yeah, 
yeah, fantastic stallion, uh, and and he's, he's proven himself. Um, we've got some really exciting horses to run at Charlton in the next couple of weeks as well. So, I think Strong Lead has got a good chance in the Supreme Novices. Um, he has got to find a little bit more than what the level he's been at, but he's got a good crack at it, I think. And Dashiell Drasher as well has been a fabulous flag bearer for the for the stallion. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And he's, I think he's entered in the stairs hurdle. And um, yeah, he'll have a good chance of that. As long as the ground's, ground's good. Um, and Jeremy Scott's, you know, he, he knows the horse in and out. And if, if the ground's not right, he won't run him. But uh, yeah, no, I think it'll be, be good. And is it fair to say that Passing Glance is one of those horses, I mean, a bit like Midnight Legend before him, really, who, who at one time they, they stood alongside each other. Um, that, that has really had to chisel out his own reputation. He's, he's had to do it the hard way, upgrading mares, and eventually people have cottoned on. Yeah, I think, and that's with with quite a few national hunt stallions. They've got to do it the long road, and, you know, and you've got to wait for those young youngsters to come out and actually perform and show everybody that actually this stallion's got got what it takes. He produces a very tough, genuine type of horse. Uh, they are all all good horses that um, and they're, they're triers and you've got a, a standing call for Amazoni who who people won't be perhaps so familiar with just tell us the story of him well we uh, we were approached quite a few years ago by the, the Besic brothers and, and they've they've approached us a few times for us to stand him for them but we've just always just been absolutely maxed to the capacity with, with standings we just didn't have the space and then um, we took the decision with Shadwell to retire Hafford last year and we said absolutely yeah that, that's, that's standing for you he's got got some interest already um which is which is always good to see um you never know when you, you you're standing and you're standing and um you always just hope and pray that they're going to do something and and yeah no, he's starting to show interest he's got a few mares booked which is good and tim for you standing several stallions accepting you know many mares but um, applying your trade at a certain level in the industry, how is the how is the climate for you? It's been difficult. I think it's still going to be difficult for a little while. Um, obviously, COVID had an effect on on everybody. Um, I think everybody just tightened their belts a little bit and just were more careful of where they were spending the money. And um, but it's looking like there is light at the end of the tunnel. Um, we're lucky enough that. We've got a lot of our owners are uh, owner breeders, so the, the commercial pressure as such, I think, is not there, um, which makes it a little bit easier for us. All right, thanks to Tim, to my guest today. Jane is still with me and has a tip for you. Yes, we're going to Sandown a week early with Hermino <laughs> in the 4-10 at Sandown. It's a novice handicap hurdle, and Jamie and Gary Moore could have a big week next week, but they might just get off to a winner here because Hermino's running off 117 in the 410 after winning by eight lengths at Plumpton. The second on that occasion has come out and won since, and I think he'll be hard to beat in the 410. Yeah, he still had a still I think he still has a Cheltenham Festival entry, but I mean that was quite fanciful. But I mean the fact that he was still in till this stage tells you that he's probably quite useful. Uh, Jane, thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening today. That was Tuesday, March the 7th. We'll be back to do it all over again tomorrow. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, 
and thoroughbred racing commentary. Mm -hmm.